Good job to you moms for uh, earning those, those loving comments. One takeaway for sure seems like there's plenty of moms out there that do some dancing that, em- that embarrasses their children, I think, huh? And, uh, but good to see those. And one thing we all know is that uh, whether, whether mom works for a paycheck or not, they all work hard, don't they, huh? <laughs> they all do. Uh, good morning, church family. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to get started this morning, so we're going to jump right in here and say this. Your face is glowing. When, when might we hear that phrase? Where might we find that phrase? Your face is glowing. And I thought of one time that it might actually have happened in the Bible. I was thinking of uh, Exodus chapter 34 where Moses, the leader of God's people, goes up on the mountain to speak with God. And he comes back and his face is shining. And, and it's not written in the Bible, but someone could have said to him, your face is glowing. What's going on? Moses, this leader of God's people, had been up the mountain, and he comes back down with the Ten Commandments in hand. And it says there on the screen, you see that the Bible says his face shone. So, so what's up with that? Your face is glowing. While, uh, and it turns out, in that case, it was because he was with God. He had gone into the very presence of God. He had experienced God. He was face-to-face with God. God was speaking to him, and this result is this miraculous display, this glowing face so that others would know that Moses had been with God. Your face is glowing. When else might we hear those words? Well, um, that is a phrase that definitely my wife could say to me most nights as she falls asleep next to me. Uh, but, you know, maybe unfortunately it's not so much because I've been spending time with God in that particular instance or that particular moment, but because more like this guy, my face is glowing, right? Next to her, she falls asleep. And in my case, different than this guy, it's not a laptop for me. It's my iPhone. It's reading an article. It's catching up on the latest San Francisco Giants highlights. And she could certainly say, your face is glowing. And are there times when your face glows. And this morning, one of the things we want to wrestle with is this question. Are you more likely to have a glowing face from staring mindlessly at a screen or from spending time with your great God? So we're in a series of messages called Crazy Busy, and we've been exploring, we've been asking God to help us in the midst of our busy lives, in the, in the midst of our full plates, How do we navigate life in a way that honors him? And in the case of today, we're acknowledging in in today's uh, message that that technology, that our screens, that our devices add to our crazy busyness. There's an element that they play in our crazy busyness. They can be noise. I think we're going to find out today. I think we're going to confirm that our devices, our internet connectedness can be noise that drowns out our ability to hear and and spend time with God. Um, But on this topic, I certainly want to say that I would rather in some ways be sitting out with you. I'm a learner on this topic. I love technology. I utilize technology. We're going to talk in a minute. There's nothing bad about all Internet devices and this and that. Nothing evil. But I need to be out there with you. We need to journey together. We need to learn how we can honor God in this area of our life, just like we want to grow in honoring God in other areas of life. So let's get on the same page. Let's see if we all relate to each other. So humor me if you would and pop up your hand uh, to answer these questions. How many of you have a TV? How many of you have cable TV? 
How many of you have a DVD player or a Blu-ray player? How many of you have some kind of video game system at home? Good, keep raising them, keep humoring me. How many of you have Wi-Fi at home? Wi-Fi at school or work? How many of you are on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or some other social media platform or multiple? How many of you have a smartphone? How many of your smartphones are connected to your ear through Bluetooth headset? Yeah, a few. How many of you text? How many of you email? How many of you have a tablet of some kind, an internet-connected watch, a da-da-da, the latest gadget, or this and that, or whatever, you know? We keep going, right? We're connected. We're online. We have screens. It comes at us. And, uh, and, and now I want to I continue to kind of get on the same page and, and think through our interactions with screens. And uh, I want you to answer some more questions, but these ones I will not require you to raise your hand because you may or may not want to raise your hand. But let's let these questions um, uh, examine us a little bit. Let's let these questions probe our daily lives and our interactions with technology and, our, and the way that screens come into play for us. Do you sleep with your smartphone on and possibly under your pillow or right next to your bed? Would you survive if you were in a discussion with someone and there came to be a disagreement and you couldn't Google the answer? Do you frequently find yourself mindlessly passing time by staring at your phone even when there might be something more productive or better you could be doing with your time? Do you find yourself viewing and answering texts and notifications and emails at all hours of the day and night even when it's interrupting other things that you're doing? Do you find yourself spending more time texting, commenting on social media posts than you do talking to a real person in person? Now, I do want to stop. I have a few more of these questions, but I want to stop in case there's like some elbows going on. That's you. Or maybe you glanced across the room and you thought, they do that. These questions are not for they. They're for you. Okay, so let's, let, let's, let's consider. When you eat, um, <clears throat> is your phone always part of the table place setting? Do you text, watch videos, surf the web while driving? Or during some other task that requires focused concentration? Do you find yourself checking your phone many times a day or per hour, even if there's likely nothing new to be found or discovered? Do you feel reluctant to be without your phone, even for a short period of time? Anybody ever driven back to the house because you realized you didn't have the phone? I have for sure. Is a power outage a catastrophic event in your life? No internet. The screen's not coming on. Do you eat most of your meals while at the computer or in front of the television or spend most of your evening in front of a screen? Has your significant other, or you could, this would be appropriate on, on this day, we could substitute mom. Has your mom or significant other ever banned you from your phone? Now again, now again, uh, we want to consider these about us, not think about who is guilty of them. Do you ever uh, ignore others that you're in their presence because you're on your device? All right. Well, now that I feel really terrible about myself, and maybe some of you are feeling some of that, while you may not have related to all of those, my guess is that you related to at least one or two, 
And uh, I want to start by saying this. I am not here to say that all technology is bad. I am not saying that the internet is completely evil and there's no redeeming quality. I am not saying that there are not good, even God-given useful purposes for our devices. So don't, don't hear that. That's not, that's not where I'm starting this morning. I am just saying that in the midst of our crazy busy lives, um, that we need to evaluate the role that technology plays, how it affects our lives, including how it um, affects our spiritual lives. Again, we don't need to swing the pendulum. We don't need to be on one extreme or the other. Um, I have used my iPhone to read Bible verses while visiting someone in the hospital. Some of you are going to study God's word by looking at a device in your lap this morning instead of a paper Bible. I used to preach. My preaching notes used to be on an iPad. There are useful uh, productive uses for our technology and for staying connected and relating to other people. But I think we also need to realize that there are also dangers, right? We, we can't swing the pendulum. Uh, and so this is a topic that applies to everyone this morning. Don't, don't start looking away and thinking, now this doesn't apply to me, this is not an area I struggle in. I think this is a topic for all of us, that we are all affected. This is a topic for everyone, for young and old, male and female. This is a topic for those of us that are still watching movies on VHS tapes and those of us who order our pizza by talking to Alexa. So wherever you are on that span... Wherever you are in that span, this is a topic that applies to us. And we don't want to start on one extreme or the other. We don't want this morning to go all the way to one extreme and say, technology is evil, all screen time is bad, the internet is a black abyss of blah, blah, blah. That's an extreme. We don't want to start there. And yet we don't want to let the pendulum swing all the way over here either and embrace technology to the point where we're completely oblivious to the potential pitfalls. We don't want to, we don't want to, yes, we don't want to go to that extreme, but we also don't want to go to this extreme where we say, oh, and we're totally unaware of the fact that our screen or our device has become an idol in our life, something that replaces the place of God, or we don't, or over on this end of the pendulum, we don't realize that, that it is creating an obstacle between me and God. And affecting my relationship with God. So those are a couple important things just about how we want to start. In his book called Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung, a pastor, suggests three ways that screens pose a threat in our lives. So we're going to take a few minutes here to just look at these three potential threats of our, of our constant connectedness, of our constant online activity. Three potential threats. First, there is absolutely potential for unhealthy addiction. The first danger, the first threat we want to be aware of is that there is absolutely potential for unhealthy addiction to technology, to the internet, to our device, the use of our device. And I'm guessing that I don't need to spend much time here on this topic to convince you that that's true. My guess is that the, the questions I asked a few minutes ago about your internet use, about the, how many screens are in your home, about how they affect you, my guess is perhaps those questions did enough to convince you of the potential for addiction, how much power do these devices or does this internet connection have over us and how we go about our life? Does our identity, do we draw value? Do we draw our, our identity from how many likes we get on a social media post? Do we, do we draw value 
instead of drawing our value as being a, a, a created being, of a, a child of God, do we draw value on how people react to what we put out there on social media? Why do we post? What is missing in here? Not that all posts are bad, but, what, but we need to consider before we post, before we look for reassurance, before we look for popularity, what is going on here? What am I looking for? What am I hoping for? What is my motivation in that post? There's potential for unhealthy addiction. And if we're honest, I think many of us are addicted, obsessed, uh, and overwhelmed by our need to be connected, to be online, to be in front of a screen. And 2 Peter 2.19 says that for whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So if we're so obsessed and addicted and overwhelmed by our need to be in front of a screen or to be on, in connection with the internet, to whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So here's a question I'm going to repeat in, in, in a varied way multiple times this morning. Is my face glowing because I'm enslaved? Or is my face glowing because I have been with God? And the second potential threat is the danger of purposelessness. The danger of purposelessness. Do our devices contribute to us being busy with busyness? Or do our devices contribute to us being busy with nothing, basically? With purposelessness. Does surfing the internet cause us to pass the time by just passing the time? What are the available minutes and hours in your day and week? What, what, what kind of margin do you have? What, 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 what is filling your life? And when there's available extra minutes or extra hours in your life, what are we going to do with those? Are, are, are we going to take all of the available minutes and hours in our life and, um, and scroll, swipe, turn on, connect, or are we going to invest in something meaningful? With the available minutes and hours in your life, what are we going to invest in? And the, the first two weeks in our series, the, the last two Sundays, here's the couple of things we've emphasized. Week one, while there are many things that can give you anxiety and cause trouble, while there are many things that are busy and that cause stress in our lives, there is one thing we must do. We looked at the example of, of Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus and prioritizes connecting and knowing God and being in his presence. And then last Sunday, we, we followed Jesus' example to prioritize his, he prioritized his purpose, what he was made to do, what God gave him to do. And like Jesus then, we can look through our busy lives and learn to prioritize our purpose. We can invest our available minutes and hours, not in something that just goes away, that's mindless, that's empty, but we could prioritize our purpose. We could ask God, what have you made me to do? What have you called me to do? What is my life all about? And I could invest my time and energy there. Is my face glowing because of purposelessness? Or is my face glowing because I've been with God? I think we, if we're not careful, we sometimes disguise purposelessness with, with act, the activity of our screens and our connectedness. All right, and there's a third, a third threat, a third concern that our screen time, that our glowing faces, there's a third threat that our glowing faces um, pose. And before we look at that, I want you to open your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 
If you look in the Old Testament part of your Bible, the first part of your Bible, you'll see there's two Samuels, two books of Kings, and two books of Chronicles. So in there, flip through there, between the Samuels and the Chronicles are first and second Kings. You can use your table of contents if you need to. Love you to bring your Bible and follow along with us as we study God's word. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19, and in a moment I will start at verse 8. But before we start reading, let me set the stage of where this passage takes place. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophet Elijah, uh, uh, an Old Testament prophet, a man of God, in 1 Kings 18, Elijah has just defeated the, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of this false god in this most spectacular, God acting in this spectacular way on Mount Carmel. Fire had been poured down demonstrating God's presence. And I, I wish we could, in some ways I'd love to stop and camp on this story, but I'll just encourage you, write that down. 1 Kings 18, go read it later. It's this incredible story of the true God making his presence known. Because these false gods, these, these, I'm sorry, these false prophets call out to these false gods, wanting him to answer, wanting him to do something, and crickets, nothing, no answer from these false gods. And then when Elijah calls on the one true God, God answers and pours down fire. And then Elijah goes on to defeat these false prophets, and, and um, they are killed. And because these false prophets are killed, the evil, the, the evil king and his uh, queen, Ahab and Jezebel, now are mad at Elijah and chasing Elijah and looking to kill him. And so, we, that's where we pick up the story. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, as we read about Elijah. And Elijah arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So when he came to Horeb, the mount of God, he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And now they seek my life to kill me, to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind came an earthquake. Shaking, rumbling, earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But I'll bet you can guess by now what? The Lord was not in the fire. So at Mount Carmel, where Elijah poured, called out to the one true God, God answered in spectacular fashion. And now here in our passage on Mount Horeb, there's these spectacular events of God. There's wind, there's an earthquake, there's fire. And I think sometimes this is how we wish God would speak to us, right? In spectacular fashion, 
Wouldn't it be nice if God made his answer to us clear by pouring down fire or by coming to us in an earthquake or by those occasional times in God's word when we do hear that God speaks audibly and his people can hear him clearly and they know what he's saying. Isn't that how we wish God would communicate with us? Loudly, clearly, and in spectacular fashion? Or maybe a tougher question to ask ourselves then? Is this how God would have to speak to us in order to get our attention? Would God have to speak loudly, audibly, directly, and in in miraculous ways in order for us to even hear him in the midst of our crazy busyness, in the midst of the noise that we're surrounded by by other things in our lives? Our digital device, internet-saturated worlds are crazy busy. We are overwhelmed with hundreds of virtual relationships and so-called friendships online. We are are overwhelmed by constant blasts of information from every news source, from every person's personal opinion. And we have constant distraction on our hands at the hands of our devices or in front of our screens. We can hope, friends... We can hope that God will get our attention, that he'll speak to us in spectacular fashion. But what if he doesn't? But what if he doesn't? What if that's not how he chooses to speak, to call you, to teach you, to instruct you? Let's look back in the the passage here in God's word, 1 Kings 19. Remember where we left off. Wind, earthquake, fire, but God was not in those, right? Verse, halfway through verse 12. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And if you continue to read the passage, you'll see that Elijah, or that God goes on to give Elijah specific directions about what's next. Our lives are so loud with crazy busyness. Our lives are filled with the noise of our screens and our online activity and our connectedness. We can hope that God would get our attention in spectacular fashion, but what if he doesn't? What if that's not how he chooses to to, to work, to speak? That the biblical principle I want to draw from this passage in 1 Kings 19 is that God speaks to us, but sometimes it's in a whisper. In this case, in 1 Kings 19, Elijah heard it. God spoke in a whisper. And Elijah didn't miss it. Would I? Would I miss it? In John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. This is on the screen, Jesus speaking. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is your good shepherd. You are his sheep. We know his voice and we follow him. But I don't think Jesus always shouts his guidance to us. I, think I would love it if he worked in this way, and I know he could work in this way if he really wanted to, but I've never got a text message with answers to my questions that I've asked Jesus. And John 14 says this, Jesus speaking again, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have recognized that you can't do it on your own, if you've given your life to Jesus, 
to save you and rescue you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God himself living within you, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Followers of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in you. And the, the passage on the screen reminds us that he's a helper and that he will teach and guide us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the Spirit's prompting. I want to hear the voice of my good shepherd Jesus. We need to create space in our life to hear. And so that brings me to explaining the third threat that our screens pose. The third danger that we're looking at this morning, so to speak, of our, of our online activity is that we will never be alone. That, that, that through these, these devices and our constant distraction, the, 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 the threat that is posed here is that we would never create space or allow ourselves to be alone or to get quiet enough to hear God's sometimes small whisper. These little devices in our pockets, these, some of these screens, some of these devices that we hold, they, they make it possible for us to be busy all the time with all the people everywhere. These little devices make it possible for us to be busy all the time with anyone from anywhere. And we risk drowning out God's voice with the constant noise of our devices and our activity. And furthermore, here's perhaps the, the, a deeper concern. What if, what if, friends, what if deep down I prefer the noise to hearing from God? Perhaps what we need to wrestle with or, or, or lay before God or ask him to examine our heart about is what if we really don't care to hear his whisper? What if we prefer the endless noise and the busyness and the, and the notifications and the ping sounds to the silence and solitude of seeking after God, of sitting at his feet, of asking him what he wants us to do, how we can follow him. Is my face glowing because I'm avoiding God? Or is my face glowing because I've been with God? If crazy busy is the water we swim in, if, this is, if, 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 if the reality of our life is that things are busy and our plates are full, if the reality of our technology is that we're connected all the time to anybody, if the reality of our of our of our screen time and our devices is that we feel the pressure to be available to everyone all the time. How do we navigate that? How do we live for Jesus in the midst of that? So I want to ask a few more questions like I did at the beginning. And I want to ask these questions for us to consider what are some solutions. If you sense some difficulty with some of this, if, if you know that your life is crazy busy, if you recognize that screens or devices or online activity do distract and could get in the way and could be an obstacle to following God. If, if, that's a, if that's true for you, then I want to ask you these few questions. And in asking these questions, these are offering some solutions, certainly not all the possibilities. There's lots of ways, lots of resources for you, lots of solutions to this problem, to these threats posed by our screens. But perhaps these will give you just a few ideas and, and maybe, um, maybe even instituting one would be helpful so that we can hear God's sometimes quiet voice. Here's the first one. Where do you want your devices to be as you get in bed and you get ready to sleep? 
Where do you want your device to be while you drive? Here's a good one. I've stole this from, I've heard this several places. This is an idea. If you haven't heard it, you might want to try it. When you go out to eat with friends or family, stack your phones upside down on top of each other in the center of the table. The first person who checks their phone pays the bill. That's a good one, right? Try it. Might worth a shot. Maybe we'll disconnect a bit to hear each other and to hear from God. Do you enjoy the outdoors? Do you want to go to the park today? Are you going to sit on the back patio on a chair? Do you enjoy going for a hike? If you're going to enjoy the outdoors, do you consider leaving your screens behind? Is it possible on a Sunday morning during worship gathering with our church family, is it possible for you to have a cell phone with you and still connect with others and worship our great God? Some of you, no problem. You're using your phone for your Bible, awesome, no problem. You're still able to connect with others and the Lord, great. But others, maybe you need to leave it behind. What's the first thing you want to do when you wake up in the morning? And what's the last thing you want to do before you go to sleep? We sometimes hear about people unplugging, disconnecting from technology for a special occasion, for Lent, for their honeymoon, for for an extended break. But maybe what we really need to consider is building into our daily and weekly rhythm a time of disconnecting, of turning off. How do I need to organize my day or my week with regular opportunities to unplug? So why would, we, why would I ask these questions? And why would we want to consider solutions? Why would we want to, you know, examine how we use technology and then possibly make a change? Well, not, not because technology is evil. Not because the internet is, is completely bad. Again, we've said there's positive, productive, effective ways to use all this stuff appropriately and in God-honoring fashion. So why would we want to make changes with our technology? Not to be legalistic. I'm not going to hand out a list that says do this and don't do that. And this is not okay and that is okay. And this is black and white issue and technology and screens. It's my way or the highway. No. That's legalistic. It's between you and God. It's between what's healthy and how you can honor God in your life in relation to your technology. I think we should evaluate our use of technology and screens and possibly make changes so that we can hear the good news that God wants to preach into our lives. Because there's amazing news. There is good news of great joy that God has for you. And I'm not just talking about one time in the past. I'm talking about every day. There is God wanting to speak to you and wanting to fill you with good news of great joy. The gospel is the good news that God rescues wretched, messed up, sinful, broken people like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as we put our trust in him, we find life. We don't put our trust in ourselves. It's not about what I do. It's not about my behavior. It's not about matching up. It's not trying to earn God's love. It's saying, I can't do that. I don't match up. Jesus, I need your help. You're the son of God. I give you my life. Lead me. Good shepherd, I hear your voice and want to follow you. Put your trust in Jesus. But the good news is, that's amazing news, but the good news doesn't stop there. I want to keep hearing the good news. And as your pastor, I want you to keep hearing the good news, to know that the good news of Jesus impacts you today too, not just back when you became a Christian, but today, that God wants you to know his love for you, that the fact that Jesus lived, died, and rose again absolutely enables you to live for him today, not only giving you life eternal, 
but giving you life now, transformed and being made new and getting a new heart, new attitude, being made new from the inside out. That's good news that I want you to hear in your life daily. And so I don't want you or me to be bogged down in the noise of our crazy busyness. And so throughout this series, we've asked God to help us take five, to find margin for a breather, to find some space to hear from him. A couple weeks ago in Luke chapter 10, Martha was distracted by busyness and she missed out on growing her friendship with Jesus because like her, like her sister Mary did, who was sitting at Jesus' feet. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is my prayer for me and you, that we will submit ourselves to God, not just once when you became a Christian, but daily, that we will give ourselves to him, that we will draw near to God, that we will learn to, like Mary, sit at the feet of Jesus so we can hear and obey and live our lives for him. The best thing we could do to survive and even thrive in a crazy, busy life is to connect with God. And so in this series, we've been talking about each week, we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines, these tools that you can add to your life rhythm to grow spiritually. We've talked about spending time in God's word. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about solitude, getting away and having silence and space to hear from God. And perhaps the, the, the spiritual discipline we ought to consider today is unplugging. Unplug. Disconnect. Power down for a period of time each day, each week, or an extended period. Perhaps that's a spiritual discipline, a tool that you'd like to add to your weekly rhythm that'll help you hear God's voice. The sometimes quiet whisper of God. Because there's nothing wrong with glowing faces. There's nothing wrong with glowing faces. But I want my face to glow less from screens and more from being with Jesus. Father God, we thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you that you are a God who knows us and loves us. God, we thank you that you are a God who came near to us in Jesus, that Jesus came to live among us and experience life on earth. And so God, we know you understand the barrage of information we're under, the pressures to connect with everyone, the pressure to communicate and answer every text message. God, we we thank you that you are God who comes near to us, who knows us and hears us. And, and God, we confess that our lives are crazy busy. And one of the reasons is because of our technology, because of our screens, because of our devices, because of our need to be online. God, examine our hearts this morning. And I pray that we would start making progress in this area, that we would start by confessing where we need your help, where we are addicted or where we are acting out our purposelessness. Or God, how we are hiding from you, never wanting to be quiet enough or alone enough to hear from you. God, we confess that sometimes we're busy to be busy. Sometimes we prefer the distraction. Sometimes we find our identity in the popularity of this constant communication. And as we confess that to you, God, I pray that you would lift our eyes to you. That you would remind us that Jesus died so that we might live. We thank you that you forgive. 
and that you give us chance, new chances to live for you. So God, show us where we can change, where we can honor you more, where we can, how we can learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. Give us glowing faces from spending time with you. And may our lives just reflect your goodness with our thankfulness to you. As we continue in worship this morning, we, we offer our offerings out of thankfulness. We, offer, we lift our voices in song out of thankfulness. We confess our sins. We read our Bibles. We come to you out of thankfulness that Jesus died so that we can live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.